Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 100 of the Money Love Podcast. Oh, it feels so crazy to say that. 100 episodes, you guys. It is surreal. I can't believe we did it. 100 episodes. It has been no small feat. And before we get into the guest today, I just have to take a moment to tell you how incredibly grateful I am for you being here week after week, showing up, <laughs> listening most weeks to just me talking to you and just giving you coaching and helping you and inspiring you along your money journey. I never take it lightly that you are taking time out of your day to come and spend time here with me every single week. When I started this podcast, I really wasn't sure if anyone was going to listen, if anyone was really even going to care what I had to say. I never really imagined the podcast getting to this point 100 episodes in. I remember in the beginning just kind of thinking, okay, I'm just going to get behind the mic and I'm just going to start talking and maybe a handful of people will listen. And now we are 100 episodes in over two and a half years, taking a couple breaks along the way with maternity leave. But again, just have to say, if you are here, whether you are a new listener and you've just found me within the last couple of weeks or whether you have been here from the beginning, please know that I love you and I am so, so grateful to be able to spend this time with you every single week. Cheers to 100 episodes, you guys. To honor 100 episodes, I have the most fantastic guest for you guys today. This is an episode and a topic that I have been itching to do for such a long time. Because I know with our spending habits and with overconsumption, the area that we're going to be talking about today is an area that many of us, myself included, really, really struggle with. We're going to be talking about clothes today, y'all. Clothes, wardrobes, how to build out a closet, a style, a wardrobe that you love, that represents who you are, that has longevity. Because I know that for so many of us, and you will hear me talk about this in the episode actually, is that many of us still, even into adulthood, are really struggling to find our sense of personal style. And I can say for me personally, that so much of the shopping that I've done in the past, so many of the clothing items that I buy in full transparency, they were only bought because they were in, they were trendy, they were on sale. And because of that, I've gone through so many iterations of my wardrobe that never really felt like me. I feel like I'm constantly going through these waves of like buying a bunch of things and then purging a bunch of stuff because I get to a point where I'm just like, none of this feels like me. I don't like it anymore. And then feeling like I have a closet that's bursting at the seams, but I don't really feel like I have anything that I love or really kind of being in that mindset of I have nothing to wear, even though I have a closet filled with things that I could potentially wear. When I did most of my shopping, when I was in the throes of my shopping, 90% of what I bought were 
clothing, accessories, shoes, handbags, jewelry, things like that. None of which I own anymore. That was a decade ago, but I don't own any of that stuff anymore. And again, I really think it was because so much of the shopping that I was doing, I didn't really have a good sense of what my personal style was at that point in time. But also, again, I was very caught up in the trends and what was hot, not necessarily assessing what feels good to me and what truly represents me. The older I get, the more to me it's so important to have pieces that I really, really love. In the past, I've certainly been a more quantity over quality type of girl when it came to my wardrobe. I wanted to have a lot of stuff, a lot of different choices. Again, you're going to hear me talk about this, but I used to be utterly terrified of repeating an outfit. It was all just about volume, having a lot of things to wear. And now I feel the total opposite about my wardrobe. Now I would rather have a much smaller wardrobe with really high quality pieces that I love, that have longevity, that feel like me, and that I keep going back to over and over and over. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with Christina. So before we jump in, let me just tell you guys a little bit about Christina and let me introduce you to her. I've known about Christina for a long time. I've been a follower of hers on social media, but Christina is a YouTuber. She's an entrepreneur and a pharmacist. And what she does is she actually explores emotional spending and self-development through a branch of minimalism that she calls minimalist ish, which we're going to define in this episode what that means. But Christina and I both have very similar stories because she is also a former shopaholic. She was in over $120,000 of student loan debt. She realized during that time that she really needed to change her spending habits and kind of face the financial mess that she was stuck in. And so she used principles of minimalism and she says radical self-honesty. And through that, she was able to pay off all of her debt in less than six years and completely change her spending habits from a very impulsive place to a very intentional place. And so now what she does through her social channels and through her YouTube page, which y'all, you have to check out her YouTube page. I've linked it in the show notes. It is fantastic. I sometimes just find I'll put some of her videos on in the background because not only are they incredibly educational, but they're just really like soothing and relaxing to watch. But now what she does is she helps women heal their relationships with shopping, and she really helps them find their personal sense of style and building a life that they love through evaluating the beauty that already exists in their life. Her big message, which you're going to hear us talk about a lot today, is always look inward first and assess what do I already have and then look elsewhere. So here's what we're going to talk about in the episode. You're going to hear her personal story, how she used to be in $120,000 worth of student loan debt to now being minimalist-ish. We're also going to talk about no-buys because Christina has done several no-buys. And in my opinion, I think no-buys can be hit or miss. I think that there's a way to do them right and a way to do them not so well. But the way that Christina does it, I'm a big, big fan of. So she's going to walk you guys through how she does no buys, why they're so effective for her and what they teach her. She's going to give us her best tips on how you can ensure that you're actually investing in wardrobe pieces that you love and that have longevity. 
We're going to talk all about capsule wardrobes. We spend a good part of the episode talking about what capsule wardrobes are. I think you're going to be really surprised by her personal take on capsule wardrobes. I know I certainly was. And how you can actually build a capsule wardrobe using pieces that you already have. You can build a capsule wardrobe that requires absolutely no shopping whatsoever. And then we're also going to talk about her approach to minimalism, which she calls minimalist-ish which you guys know I am all about the balance. And to me, I love her take on minimalism because it's a very approachable, attainable, and realistic lens that those of us who struggle with overconsumption can definitely mirror to get us headed in the right direction. So I know you guys are going to love this episode. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. All of Christina's information, her social channels, YouTube page, all of that. Her website is all linked in the show notes if you want to check her out more, learn more about her, and just immerse yourself more in her world. So without further ado, let's hop into the episode. I love you guys. Enjoy this one. Christina, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on this week. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a really long time, talking about clothes, wardrobe, style, shopping. And you were the very first person that I thought of for this episode. So (laughs) why don't we just, yeah, I'm so excited. So why don't we just go ahead and start? I'd love to just have you share your story, your background. I think you and I have very similar backgrounds and that we used to do a lot of shopping that kind of got us into some trouble. So why don't (laughs) we just start there? So my name is Christina Machas. I am a pharmacist and content creator, um, mostly on YouTube. And I focus a lot on capsule wardrobe, intentional spending, and just how to get the most out of what you already have. Because like you said, we share a very similar story in that I was a full-blown shopaholic. I was also in $120,000 of student loan debt that I just couldn't make any progress on because of my shopping habits and my vice, my thing of choice was clothing. So I had to take myself through a journey when I committed to getting out of debt and addressing my shopping habits. I had to like start committing to using what I already had and like figuring out what I liked and when it came to clothing, what my own style was. So it was really interesting because along my debt-free journey, I also really got to know myself and figured out my personal style and what I like in that process too. So that's kind of what I talk about now, just helping other people, other women figure out the same thing and just get the most out of what we've already got. Let's kind of go back for a second because I would love to hear about, did you kind of have like a breaking point or just like a wake up moment where you were just like, okay, enough is enough. Yeah. Like, did you? <laughs> I, I had a moment like that, but I'm curious to hear if you had a moment like that and what it was. I, for me, ha- very easily influenced, always wanting to be like that effortless kind of rocker chic, cool girl. So in 2018, I was obsessing over, they're called the Chloe Susanna boots. I don't know if you've seen them before. They're like these ankle boots with some like rock studs on them. And they're just like really cool and edgy. And I was obsessed. They were also more than what I paid in my rent at the time. And I saw that they went on sale during Black Friday. And I just remember being in this like chaotic, constant shopping around that time. And so I ordered the boots. I knew I couldn't afford them. They came, I opened the box, I tried them on, I love them. And I told myself at that moment, I'm like, girl, you can't afford these. These are more than your rent. Like, what are you doing? 
And instead of returning them, which I had the option to do, I put them back in the box and I put them under my bed and put them away. And so for me, that was like my aha moment of conscious self-sabotage that I knew I was doing. And that's when I was like, okay, you need to do something about this. You need to change. Yeah. Mine was actually when I was, I couldn't really even afford to move out of my parents' house after living at home for a year after college, making $60,000 a year and basically realizing I had spent all of it. Like I couldn't even afford the security deposit to move out. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, I mean, I knew I was shopping and I knew I was spending a lot of money and I knew I was buying a lot of things. I just don't think I really realized the extent of what was happening and what was going on. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I think with clothes, this is how I felt. Tell me if you felt this way, but it was like graduating out of college, no longer being a student and kind of like going into the real world. So how, how old are you? 36. Okay. I'm 33. So you and I both grew up in like nineties, like two thousands where it was like, we grew up watching movies. Like this is me, like how to lose a guy in 10 days and 13 going on 30 and devil wears Prada. And it was like, you have these ideas that like, when you come into the real world of like the way that you're supposed to dress and present yourself and like, just the way that being an adult looks like just from those things that we saw in the movie, like Kate Hudson, you know, I think I'm like how to lose a guy in 10 days. She's like 26 or something like that, which is just yeah. crazy. And Everybody so wanted that like, yellow dress too, right? <laughs> oh my God. The, just her whole wardrobe in that movie. Right. And so and yeah. it's just these ideas that we get in our head of like, okay, I'm, I'm a working girl now. You know, mm-hmm. I have a job. I have to present myself in a certain way. And that really was what got me in the beginning was I started shopping and my justification in the beginning was, well, I'm just building kind of like my corporate wardrobe because I didn't really have any nice professional yep. clothes at the time. And then it really just started to snowball. It was like a couple shopping trips turned into me going to the mall multiple times a week. And I mean, I would say 90% of what I bought was either clothes, shoes, or accessories like jewelry, yep. handbags, things like that. Yeah. Because if you're keeping up with the trends and staying current, then you must be successful. You know, you must be doing And everyone always asks me too. They're like, so do you still have any of that stuff? They're like, oh, I'd love to see your closet. I'd love to see your wardrobe. And I'm like, girl, I don't have any of it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Same. It's gone. I mean, it was (laughs) was 10 years ago. The sad part is, is that I don't have any of it anymore. It's all gone. It's all been purged. So I was just like, ugh, you know, same, same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's very interesting. For me, it was like I I'd always been like a shopper and a consumer kind of like that, but when I started making like my first like real money, that like more money than I've ever seen in my career in my life up until that point, it was like, "Oh wow, like yeah, I got to start spending it on things that make me look successful and make me look like I have my shit together and like not only wanting to be stylish, but to imply that that I was successful and making good money and that my, you know, my outfit matched what my career was. Mm-hmm. Or, or so, just like not being an outfit repeater. Lizzie McGuire, I think like, oh yeah, just totally scarred all of us. It's like, you cannot be an outfit repeater. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and honestly, like I, I remember that I remember going into my corporate job and literally having the thought, I can't wear the same outfit twice, which yep. now I think about that and I'm like, that's completely ridiculous. But I mean, at the time I really did believe that, 
it was something that I was like, I cannot wear the same outfit twice to work. And I worked with a bunch of men who literally couldn't have cared less what I wore. Oh yeah. It was me and and one other girl. It's not even like I worked in like a, a more, you know, female dominated I worked at a car dealership. I worked with yeah, a bunch of guys. Yeah, I was going to say, you sold like Cadillacs or something, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Just me and a bunch of guys. Like I could have mm-hmm. worn like a brown paper bag to work and like no one probably would have noticed or cared, but I was just so stuck on, I can't repeat an outfit. Yeah. I find that really interesting because I feel like men can really just get away with the whole like wearing jeans and a t-shirt every day and just having 10 of the same thing and not have to bother with that. But I feel like there is a different set of expectations and like pressure on women to look current and keep up with trends and do that. I don't want to like overgeneralize, but I just, that's one thing I do notice that I just feel like it's harder to get away with wearing the exact same thing every single day as a woman, especially in the workplace too. I think that pressure is just different. No, I think you're totally right. And I don't know if you've seen this or heard about this, but there was a news anchor. I want to say he was in Australia or something, but he kind of did this social experiment where he wore the exact same outfit to work on the news every single day for a year. Oh, wow. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah. It's it's so fascinating. So he was like, I'm going to wear the same suit on air every single day for an entire year. And he did that. And no one noticed. No one said a word. They didn't get one call. They didn't get one email into the studio saying anything about the fact that this guy was just wearing the same thing day in and day out. And at the end of the year, he was like, he basically told people, I've been wearing this outfit every day for a year. None of you have noticed. None of you have said anything. But he said, but we constantly get calls and emails about what our female news correspondents are wearing. We're constantly getting just feedback on their outfits that, you know, it's too tight or it's not appropriate or that's not a good color on her or she's worn that before. He's like, we, it's just nonstop. And yet here I am over here and no one said a word about it. So I think you're totally right about that. It's just so different, but let's kind of go back for a second. You kind of reached your tipping point because now you're wardrobe and your spending and your shopping habits are obviously very different from them. So what did you do to kind of start to make the change? Like what were some of the initial steps that you took just in the beginning? So the first thing I did was Google how to stop shopping (laughs) (laughs) and a bunch of things came up, but I found one YouTuber called Hannah Louise Poston. She's great. We're mutuals now love her content. So follow her on YouTube or leave it in the show notes, but she was doing something called a no buy year which was essentially where you just put yourself on a shopping ban or on a ban of of essentially non-essential spending or you know your own preset predetermined period of time. Also at the time uh, there was another YouTuber Asia Dang who was taking us along her journey of paying off I think over $200,000 of student loan debt and she was following the Dave Ramsey baby steps. So kind of all those three together were the kind of my first steps where I decided to put myself on a no buy or uh, I did it probably maybe around six months in 2019. And at the same time, I was learning how to budget. I started kind of following those baby steps to pay off my student loans. So putting $1,000 into my emergency fund and then just like learning to budget and just starting to sort of tackle my debt. And along with that, because yes, I was in debt and I was learning how to sort of actively manage my money, which I had never done before. I always just like kind of knew where it was going. I didn't budget. I didn't, I'd be like, oh, you know, this paycheck should cover it. And it was sort of that revolving cycle of paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Along with that, I had to really address like why I shopped and 
kind of just get familiar with what I already had. Like, where was my baseline? I know my closet was bursting at the seams, but I didn't know what was in there. So along doing all of that and just basically to distract me from shopping, I started decluttering and just sort of familiarizing myself with my stuff pile at the time. I always tell people, they're like, well, what should I do if I'm not shopping? And I'm like, well, one place you can start is actually just decluttering your space, right? Where you live or decluttering your closet or that sort of thing. So I've actually, I would love to kind of get your feedback on this because I've actually never done a no buy. And I know that there's, yeah, I know you don't really like them. I think I know. Yeah. And I know, I know that there's like mixed reviews on them and here's kind of like my take on no buys, because I think that there's a way that you can do them and do them well. And you've actually had a video about this on your TikTok. And I think you hit the nail on the head because I think that for a lot of people who do no buys, they don't work very well because what you said in your video is that they're still very focused on the stuff. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to quit drinking, but yet you still have like alcohol all over the place. And it's just kind of like constantly in your face, because I think it's like, if you're going to do a Mm -hmm. no buy, but you still are constantly like checking new arrivals on your favorite side, and you're constantly still like shopping online and adding things to your card. It's kind of like, I think you're kind of missing the point of a no buy. And that just makes it that much harder when you're focused on here's something that I want that I can't have because I've told myself I can't have it versus changing your mindset Mm -hmm. around it and really focusing on what you can actually have. And I think that that's why for some people, no buys don't work. It feels more like a restrictive diet than a benefit to you. I do think there is a good way that you can do it, which I think is the way that you did it. So do you mind talking about that? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, I definitely... I had a really punishing and like toxic relationship with myself for a really long time, especially when it came to going through this journey, because I was just so like, what the F did you do? How could you get into this scenario? Like you're smarter than this. So like my self-talk was really not kind. And I really started honestly viewing my first no buy from a perspective of punishment, which is the wrong way to do it in the sense of like, you've done all the shopping, you've had your fun. Now it's time to stop. So Now, when I do a no buy, which I, you know, I did like a no buy January this year, I like to sort of sprinkle them in mostly as just like taking a break. It's good to take a break, good to take a step back, kind of take that dopamine detox or something um, away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But looking at it from a perspective of punishment is just going to make it so hard. And I don't think it will be successful if you look at it that way. And then, like you said, um, a lot of times, you know, we're really motivated when we decide to commit to a no buy or even a low buy and you're like super jacked up and you're like, I'm going to do this. But that continuous focus of like the stuff and what you can versus cannot buy, I think also misses the point. So what I like to try to shift the focus on is to what you already own, because we bought all these things for a reason. You know, maybe sometimes they were emotional or impulsive, but there was something in you at the time that said, yes, I want this. And Or you told yourself like, this is going to look so great with this and I can wear all these things here. So I think the no buy or low buy is an opportunity to really get acquainted with what you already have, because I think most of us have really good taste. You have a lot of good stuff already, but I think a lot of the disconnect is when, especially if you are like a compulsive shopper is that yes, we do a lot of buying, but we don't do a lot of using of the thing that we bought. 
So I like to take the time, take that opportunity to start using those things. I love how you said that because I think that's one of the biggest red flags to me. Like when somebody comes to me and they're like, okay, do I have a spending problem or do I have a shopping problem? One of the Mm -hmm. biggest red flags to me is that the buying and the shopping and the acquiring is more so the event. That's the act. It's the form of entertainment. It's the distraction. It's the dopamine hit. And it doesn't really even matter what you're buying. You literally could just be buying anything. It's more just about, Mm -hmm. I want to buy something. I want to consume. I just want to want something. You don't really even care what it is. And so then when you buy the item and you get the item, that's how it's like you wind up with a ton of stuff in your life, in your environment where you get little to no use out of it at all. I know there's a lot of women in my community who have closets full of clothes that still have the tags on them that have never been worn a single time. Yeah. Right. And so to me, it's like, that's definitely like a, a dead giveaway of kind of that point that you made. But what would you say, like whenever you do a no buy, because again, I think the way that you do them is the right way to do them. So whenever you do do a no buy, like the one you did in 2019, I know you just did one this past January. When you kind of Mm -hmm. wrap up the no buy overall, how do you feel? Like, do you feel just so much better? Is it just kind of like taking a deep breath? Does it feel good to take a break? It does. I think I'd say for the first like two weeks, because, you know, if you're accustomed to regularly scrolling or, you know, seeing something on TikTok and then going to their like to know it or like we have these habits and these sort of sequence of events that we follow habitually when we're regularly shopping or even just browsing. So I think for like the first two weeks of that month, it was just like learning to say no and to recognize those behaviors. And then I'd say for the last half, it just becomes this like nice, calm, like where it's like, hey, like you see something and you're like, oh, I know I would have wanted that or I would have checked that out. And it's like, no, I'm good. It's fine. So it's a really nice feeling. And I think honestly, sometimes a month might not necessarily be long enough. I think especially if you hit that stage of calm, almost that like runner's high where you feel like you could just keep going. I think honestly, you could probably go for longer and see a greater benefit because I don't think also a month is long enough in many ways because I just think like there's so much that can be done within that time frame, whether it be like decluttering, playing with if it's clothing, like playing dress up with the clothes you already have, wish listing items that once you know what you have, it's like, okay, I'm interested in filling in this gap and like making a plan for that. So I think it's a great thing to do to take a break. And definitely that sense of calm feels so good and is so helpful. And you sometimes you want to like keep it going. But I think the hard part too is also like, when it is time to buy something. I think it's easy to overcompensate at that point and even snowball then when you're like, oh yeah, I'm free, I'm free, I'm ready to buy. Um, (laughs) So I think the harder part is like when you allow yourself to start um, shopping again after a no buy. Right. Cause it's kind of like, I know I keep coming back and using like alcohol as an example, but it's, it's like kind of like doing diet. like dry January. Right. So mm-hmm. tons of people do that. They're like, okay, I'm going to take a break from drinking, do dry January. But then it's like February 1st rolls around and they're like, woohoo, I can drink again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it's just kind of like, instead of just easing their way back into it, I feel like probably one of two things happens in situations like that. To your point, people are like, look, I really enjoy kind of cutting this activity out of my life. I'm going to keep it going. This feels really Mm -hmm. amazing. I'm just going to keep going. Or it's like the situation where the clock ends, February 1st comes around and you're like, woohoo, like I can like go back to doing whatever, you know, whatever it was I was doing. 
let's talk about this because I know you kind of mentioned something that, you know, you have certain rules, like when you do want to buy something, take me through in the past when you would buy something, maybe buy something that was a little just bit more like trendy or because it was on sale or something like that. And now do you kind of have like a lens or maybe just some checkpoints or some rules that you use when you are buying a new piece of clothing? Yeah, for sure. Um, Because I still do buy clothing. I find it's something that I value and I enjoy. And I think it's important to know like what your money dials are in terms of how you want to spend your money. So I find like with clothes, I really enjoy it. And it's for me now, it's kind of striking a balance of like, when is it too much versus like, when am I happy to bring this in? So for me, budgeting is really huge because I just don't ever want to feel that out of control or unaware of my money ever again. And I think budgeting for me, as much as like people are probably like, ugh, budgets, snooze, like I can't, I can't stick to one. I hate it, whatever. I think getting into that habit just gives you such a sense of awareness and control over your money. So if anything, it just creates this second thought of like, is this the best place to put it right now? Do I want to put it here? Or do I want to put it towards this vacation? Like, I think it kind of gets you to think about what is really important to you. So sometimes it's like, no, I'd rather like, you know, save up for a trip to go to New York than buy this blazer because I have a bunch of them. But the other thing I like to do is um, I love to utilize a wish list. So I just keep it on my phone, on the notes app on my phone, and I'll just write it down because I am like a magpie. If I see something like remotely shiny, I am like, I'm interested in it. So, you know, don't think that the power of influencing doesn't have a hold on me. It does too. And I have to like, there's things I have to do every day to sort of keep myself on track, you know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I love wish listing something and just giving myself a minimum of 24 hours with that. A lot of the times the things that I like or that I'm interested in are a little bit more expensive. So it'll take me Sometimes those things will end up having to be wishlisted for a month or more because my one rule is that I either have to be able to pay for it in full in cash or be able to pay off my credit card in full at the end of the month. And that's just mostly just because I'm just adverse to debt now at this point in my life. Okay. I love that. So I kind of want to like take us through that process and just kind of recap. And first of all, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, ugh, budgets, like we talk about budgets all the time. Right? So it's like, if you've, if you've been a long time listener of this podcast, it's like, you know how we feel about budgets on this podcast. We're obviously a big fan of them. And mm-hmm. I think that's specifically the thing with clothes is that our brains kind of want to go to this all or nothing space with clothes. So our brains want to mm-hmm. think, okay, we're either going to be able to shop and to buy clothes, or we're not going to be able to. And I think that we think we have to pick one of those ends of the spectrum. Like this is what I hear from a lot of my students is they're either Mm -hmm. doing a lot of shopping and a lot of overspending on clothes. And they think that the solution to the problem is just ceasing and stopping completely. Mm -hmm. And so I think utilizing this process of, okay, like you said, first of all, at least give yourself some time to breathe. I think 24 hours minimum, but I think even if you give yourself yeah, one good night's sleep, but even even 72 hours, I think is kind of a more like golden spot. Wish list, I call it like a things I want to buy list, adding that thing to the list, right? Because I did an episode on that a couple episodes ago, because that list in and of itself will kind of give you a dopamine hit in the anticipation of getting to buy it in the future. And then I love what you said, of course, about being able to pay cash for it. Because I also feel like with clothes, especially all these buy now, pay later services are truly like the downfall of us all. And 
we're all getting ourselves in so much trouble with them just with these like buy now, pay later services. And I feel like they're mostly used on clothing sites and we mostly use them for clothes, shoes, accessories, things like that. And I love how you say like, if I can't pay cash for it, I'm going to have to wait. I love that system and process. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes like, I think that's like a perfected system. I think sometimes you're just going to want to buy it. And I think a little bit of impulse is okay, but I still try to like budget that in. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, again, it's like all coming down to rebalancing it or having like a money pot. That's just like, this is my, this is like my guilt-free spending money that's accounted for. Yeah. Which I got that from the book. I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. I think that for a lot of like my money mindset and like being a little bit guilt-free about that shopping now, that book has really helped. I love that book. And I know you talked about like knowing your money dials, which comes from that book as well. And like for you, it's like knowing, okay, clothes is the money dial for me. There's two kinds of things I want to say here, but I think especially with women clothes, having clothes be your money dial. I think that a lot of us think it's materialistic or superficial to say like, oh, I'm somebody who really enjoys shopping and fashion and clothes and style. And I think that that's great. If you can realize, oh, this is my money dial and this is what I like to spend my money on. And then to your point, I totally agree with you that like sometimes you are just going to want to buy the thing. And for me personally, I have a clothes sinking fund that I track like in my budgeting software. So every single month I contribute a certain amount to my clothes sinking fund. Mm -hmm. And I still do follow a couple of those rules. Like I still do give myself time to kind of like think about the purchase and I still do add it on my things I want to buy list. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I have that pool of money sitting there to know like, okay, after I've kind of given myself like at least a night's sleep and it's on my list, if I'm still thinking about it and I still want it, I don't have to feel bad and guilty and like agonize over, okay, am I going to go buy this new pair of shoes or am I going to go buy this new blazer? Because I have this pool of money kind of set aside already waiting there to go spend it. So I think having something like that to your point, kind of like it makes it okay. Like it kind of takes the guilt out of it and just says like, we're good. Like we have the money to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. And then I think another really helpful thing too is like one thing I've noticed in myself at least is I tend to lean and be enamored by very similar looking things. So like I love jeans. And so, you know, any slight variation of jeans, I'm like kind of curious about that or blazers or whatever. So when I'm seeing something new that I'm interested in, it's like, let me just take a second and see what I actually have. And a lot of times when I'm shopping or when we shop, it's like on our phone, on the couch, killing time, a product of scrolling or whatever. But I think getting to know what it is you like and what you gravitate towards, but actually like getting up and interrupting that process before adding to cart or whatever it is, just get up and open up your closet and see what's there. And half the time, because you think you know what you have and you think you're like, yeah, I have a pair of jeans, but these are slightly different. Like go and actually look at the jeans that you're thinking about and see how much more different are these? Is this going to like round out my wardrobe in a different way or round out my makeup collection? Because it's so easy to just forget what you already own. And I think physically actually going to do that and seeing what you have really sort of reminds you. And for me, like just really blunts that, okay, I need to buy this new thing kind of craving at the time. I feel like the past couple of days, I've definitely been paying closer attention to like what's in my closet. (laughs) And I was looking at it the other day and I was like, I have three or four chunky white knit sweaters, 
And they're all a little bit different, but yet it's kind of like the same thing, right? I'm like, do I really need four of this one sweater? To be totally honest, I always really find myself just gravitating to like one of them most of the time. And then another Mm -hmm. one of them, I would say like the other, it's like 70, 30. I wear one 70% of the time, the other one, like 30% of the time. And then the other two, I like don't really wear much at all. And it's so funny because I'm like, I have four of these and I don't need four of these. Right. So I love that. It's like, before I go buy another knit sweater, that's just something that I love. I'm like, ooh, a sweater. It looks like warm and cozy. It's like going into my closet and being like, okay, Paige, you already have four of these. That is pretty yeah. close. So, And I mean, if, if you wanted to add the new sweater, fine. But like, yeah, then going back to see like, oh, I rarely wear this one. Maybe I can let this one go and just kind of that one in, one out kind of thing just to keep it sort of net neutral and prevent your wardrobe from blowing up all over again because it's like, that's one thing that I have to pay attention to as well, because I just get so overwhelmed by having like too much stuff. So it's that nice dance between like allowing myself to spend that money and buy some things, but preventing myself from feeling like I'm over consuming or just leaning back into those old habits of just more, more, more all the time. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So something else I want to talk about too is capsule wardrobes. Because I feel like capsule wardrobes are something that have become like super hot in the past couple of years. And it's almost kind of this like aspirational thing that we're told, like you need to have a capsule wardrobe. So can you just walk us through, like, first of all, do you, do you have a capsule wardrobe? Is that something that you have or? I do. Yeah. I'd say my wardrobe's a lot smaller than it used to be. So it could be like, a cap. okay, here's the thing about a capsule wardrobe. It can literally be anything you want. So, you know, forget all the like, those like infographics with like the t-shirt, the jeans, the dress. If you love color, if you love pattern, if you're a maximalist, you can still have a capsule wardrobe. For me, I do have one, but the way I do it is because yeah, my wardrobe is like smaller than it used to be, but it's still like, you know, it's not that quintessential 30 item capsule wardrobe, minimalist wardrobe. So what I do like to do is because I'm a, I'm a big proponent in using what you have, getting use out of that. So I like to sort of aliquot my larger global wardrobe into a smaller seasonal one. And that's just kind of like what I'm getting dressed in and what I'm picking for, let's say like, I'll do it like every month kind of thing. And just like more consciously sort of pull those pieces that I haven't worn in a while. So I get that kind of rotation. But I think a capsule can literally be, it can be anything. It can be any size, any color, any texture, whatever you want. I have a whole YouTube video about it. So just, yeah, you can check that okay, out. On my yeah, channel. I'll, I'll, link, I'll link that video in the show notes. We'll, we'll find mm-hmm. that. We'll link it in the show notes, but mm-hmm. okay. So take us from someone who maybe has a closet. Who's like busting at the seams. There's tons of stuff in there that just hasn't been worn at all mm-hmm. or hasn't been worn in forever. And maybe they don't want to get themselves to the point of having going from that to like a capsule wardrobe, but they do realize, Mm -hmm. okay, my closet is just an absolute disaster. And we definitely need to do some decluttering, some simplifying. Yeah. What would be your advice as kind of like the first step that they take in that process? Cause I know it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. I would start with, make sure you have something to eat, something to drink (laughs) and (laughs) and don't be, don't be mad at yourself or overwhelmed when you're doing it. Because I think that can like really lead to decluttering as a form of punishment rather than a form of like making 
making your wardrobe feel better. So I would say be in a good mindset, but I like to just start with emptying out one place at a time. So whether that be your closet, a dresser, whatever, and just like lay it all out on the bed and start dividing it into three piles. You have, I call it your hell yes, your hell no, and your maybe pile, which the maybe pile is the most nuanced. It's a little, it's the toughest pile I'd say, because you know what your hell yeses are. And for me, hell yes, isn't just about the clothes that you wear all the time. It could be something that you never wear, but when you see it, you're like, I cannot let this go. I love it. I don't care if I'm never going to wear it. If you just really like it, then keep it. And then the hell no pile for me is just, you know, anything that you're like, what was I thinking? You know, this season is over in my life or clothes that are damaged, things like that. But you're happy to say goodbye to them. There's nothing that you, there's no one you would fight to keep them. And then the maybe pile I like to, it's maybe because, you know, there's plenty of reasons why we feel apprehensive to let something go, but also it's not something that you love enough to want to keep where the, you know, the instinctual reaction is to keep it. So for me, I like to, I tell people to either store them away and just like give yourself a break from them. So take it out of your regular wardrobe that you plan on rotating through, but just keep it out of sight, take a break from them. Because if you're not really wearing them, it's just going to clutter up your closet. Give yourself a chance to miss them. This could also be like maternity clothes or weight fluctuation clothes that you want to keep. I'm not really a proponent of like, if you haven't worn it, then get rid of it because there's just so many dynamics to life that I think it's if, if you want to keep it, then keep it, but you can keep it out of sight. So you can store it from the maybe pile or you can challenge yourself to style some pieces. So if there's something that you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure if I like this or not, then you can take like three or six months and just take some opportunities to actually use that piece and now you have a closet that's full of hell yeses and some maybes that you can start playing around with and styling and just seeing if you like the piece or not. And then when you're sort of challenging yourself to style those like lesser worn pieces, I think get into the habit of taking selfies, taking outfit photos, because mm. you know how like in Clueless, Cher Horowitz is like, oh, I don't rely on mirrors. I, I only take Polaroids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's like, it helps so much because even if you feel a little bit off in the outfit while looking at it in the mirror, going back and like going through those outfit photos, like just keep like a, like an outfit of the day photo album on your phone, scrolling back, you're like, oh, I actually really like that, how that looks. So yeah, get in the habit of taking a selfie. You don't have to be an influencer, but I think it's a fun way to sort of condense down your wardrobe get to know what it is you like. And from those things, you can really also see what your personal style is, which is a really fun thing to do as well. I feel like at 33 years of age, I'm just now starting to kind of discover my personal style, if I'm being totally yeah. honest, because I feel like so much of what I've bought in the past clothes wise has just been more trendy than anything. Yep. And it's yeah, crazy same. because like, you know, my husband and I have moved around a lot over the past couple of years. And every single time we move, I use it as an opportunity to purge my closet. And every single mm -hmm. time we do it, I am just baffled at how much I get rid of. And even now I'm standing in my closet in our house that we moved into a year ago that I purged my closet before we moved in here. And even now I'm standing in my closet, looking at my closet going, to be totally honest, I could probably get rid of half of this. And it's yeah. like, I feel like 
I'm just now coming into the mindset of, okay, we're not going to just buy this thing because it's trendy or because it's on sale, but really asking myself or like, because an influencer has it and is wearing it and it looks cute on her, but like really asking myself the question, is this me? Would it work with my body type? And really does this kind of like jive with the personal style that I want to build? And I feel like I'm just starting to figure out what that is. Oh, totally. I, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I think it's just cause like in our twenties, like, well, at least for me, like I didn't know myself at all. So I would let trends and influencers and just like expectations sort of shape who I thought I was. And I think that's why I shop so much too, because that is also constantly a moving target. Like trends change now on TikTok, like every single week, like the new hot thing is coastal cowgirl. I don't know if you've seen that, but like, yeah, it's just, you know, so there's this new flavor of the week all the time. And I think why getting to know yourself, getting to know what you like and cultivating your own personal style unapologetically for you is that's going to reign supreme. And that really keeps you immune from trends. Yeah. Um, And that's how, you know, it's like, if you want to engage in a trend and add it to your wardrobe, it's going to be something that has longevity for you, not necessarily like what TikTok says is cool. Yeah. And I think something that honestly has been helping me kind of figure out what my style is, and I would be interested to kind of get your take too, but something that's really been helping me is really paying attention to those pieces that I've had for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. also paying attention to the types of pieces that you seem to be getting rid of fairly quickly, like within like a one to two year time span that you just feel like you're constantly decluttering these certain types of, whether it's like a certain type of piece or whether it's from a certain store or whatever. But I'm noticing now that I've done this a couple of times, like, okay, there's certain pieces that to your point are the hell yeses that I've had for a really long time. I wear a lot, but to your point, Mm -hmm. even if I'm not wearing them a lot, there's still just something about them that I just, I love. I'm like, I bought this five years ago and I still love it today. And I think paying attention to what those pieces are, I'm like, oh, you start to see patterns. You're like, oh, okay. These types of blazers, these types of dresses, these types of trousers, these types of shoes, these are things that I've had for years and I still love them today. And I think that's kind of how I'm starting to get a sense of like, oh, okay, this is my style. These are the things that I like and have longevity. Yeah, absolutely. Like you want to look good, but I think feeling good is in your clothes is like the most important thing. Cause when you feel, when you feel good in what you're wearing, that's when you feel at ease in yourself. That's when you can exude that confidence because you're not like fussing around with stuff. You're not so like self-aware when, you know, when clothes feel uncomfortable or weird on you or whatever. So I think that's like where, you know, the clothes wear you versus you wearing the clothes comes in and getting to know what it is you like is amazingly helpful. Yeah. And I think too, like just kind of coming back to the capsule wardrobe for a second is that again, I think capsule wardrobes have become something that have become like very aspirational and have to look a certain way. So I love that you're telling us that there's really no rules, but my, I've kind of tinkered with the idea a couple of times. I'm like, Oh, I can Mm -hmm. do, I can do the capsule wardrobe. Right. And of course my brain and my shopper mind immediately goes to buying more stuff. Oh yeah. It's like, Oh, if you want to buy a capsule wardrobe, you need to go out and you need to buy like, you know, the couple of pairs of jeans and, you know, like the simple kind of like tops and the blazers and, you know, the sweaters. So like my mind immediately does not go to 
figure out what you already have. It goes to, oh, if I want to have a capsule wardrobe, I need to go out and buy myself a capsule wardrobe. Yeah. And I think because, and I, I never understood that when like, when it was really, really hot on TikTok, like everyone was saying, here's where you need to shop to buy your capsule wardrobe. Here's the pieces that you need in your capsule wardrobe. And I'm I've like, I've made videos on that myself too. But like, I think for me and my own personal style, I tend to just follow that classic aesthetic that happens to have been sort of adopted in the capsule wardrobe space. So that is my style. But if that's not yours, that's your capsule does not have to look like that. And I think the shopping part of building your wardrobe, whatever, whether it be capsule or not, for me, it really only has space when you know there's gaps that you want to fill or there's th- there's ways that you want to evolve your style and add some more interest. But with personal style and with capsule wardrobes and, or however you want to look at it, it always starts with what you ha- what you have already mm-hmm. because like we get dressed every day, whether or not you feel like you're stylish or not, there's things that we tend to grab and lean towards every single day. You do have a style in there. And if you start to know what it is you like, what it is you wear a lot and what you feel good in with what you already have, then I think that's when you can, you know, happily start to add to it and experiment. But it always starts with what you've got. Okay. Yeah. So start with what you have, kind of declutter from there. And then you're kind of left with your hell yeses and your maybes. You get all the mm-hmm. hell no's out of there. And then it's kind of like, if you want to add from that place, you can. So yeah. I love that. So it's like building a capsule wardrobe that doesn't require any shopping at all. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, because if you don't know what you have, like, how are you, how can you fill in the gaps? Like, how do you know what you need? You know, mm, that's so true. So- That's so true. And it's like, if you do default to shopping right away and thinking, oh, I'm just going to go build my capsule wardrobe by shopping, you're probably going to end up buying. Like, again, I would probably go out and buy another white chunky knit sweater and then come back and be like, oh, I already have four of these. (laughs) I love that. Well, one more thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about is your brand is called Minimalist-ish. And I love that because I think you kind of talk about how you used to be kind of like a full-blown minimalist and how you're not a minimalist anymore. And now you consider yourself a minimalist-ish, which I really like. (laughs) So can you just talk about A, your journey into minimalism and why you decided to stop being a minimalist? Because again, I think it's another one of these Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't want to say like trendy things, but it's it's a term that you're definitely hearing a lot more of that we did it in the past. And I think a lot of people are hearing it and kind of curious of like, what is it? What does it look like? But I'm all about balance, right? I'm like, I feel like the the average person is going to live their life in the balance, in the gray, not Mm -hmm. on one end of the spectrum or another. So tell me about like minimalist-ish. Yes. So yeah, for me, I mean, I went from the full-blown shopaholic one end of the extreme to the far other end of the extreme with minimalism. And, um, and that was because as we talked about earlier, when I was doing my no buy, I was still really obsessing about the stuff in the sense of like, what I could and could not buy. When is it okay to buy something? And for me, I found that to be sort of really distracting. And in my journey of trying to find a solution to that, I did, I did discover minimalism where it seemed like through that they were really able to detach from the stuff altogether. It was like, you're not focusing on stuff anymore. You're focusing on finding time to like do meaningful work and build relationships and do what's important to you and whatever. Um, 
And that was through getting rid of what's in the way. And I thought that that was amazing because I got rid of like 60% of my closet. I was no longer obsessing over buying things. I used, I actually like went to this extreme of like, you shouldn't want that. Like you can, it's almost this like, I don't know the thing with like minimalism. I feel like sometimes when you get really deep into it, it's almost this like level of like moral superiority. It's like, oh, I don't need that to be happy. I've detached myself from wanting these things. And for a while it, did give me a lot of clarity and a lot of really great results. And I think that's why when people do start getting into minimalism, you see a lot of really almost immediate results because it's like, if you've ever, you've declared your closet, you're like, you feel so light and you get this almost as much of a high from that declutter as you would from shopping, Mm -hmm. from buying more. So I thought for a long time, if my answer to what I was looking for wasn't in more, then surely it would be in less. And it, you know, it worked for a little while. I had that clarity. I learned how to want less things and I was able to pay off my debt faster and all this stuff. It was great for a really long time. But over time, I started to think, oh, well, I better declutter that one more white t-shirt because I'm not minimalist enough. I, I don't need three. I can get rid of one more. And it just started to get really sort of toxic in that way. So And the other thing I've kind of felt like how we talked about money dials and things like I still like clothes. I like fashion. I like, you know, playing around with my style and experimenting with it. And when I was sort of in the throes of minimalism, that to me was like a, it was like a bad thing. It was almost denying that, that authenticity in myself and denying that the joy I sort of got from that. So I started to turn like some joys that I used to enjoy into, you know, they were like wrong or immoral things. So that's when it started to get really toxic for me. And when I sort of realized it's like, no, it's okay to want certain things. It's okay for me to want to buy certain things. And so with like minimalist-ish, it just has given me this balance of like, you know, allowing myself to bring things in, but also allowing myself to let things go and knowing when it's okay to let things go to just feel that balance. So no, you know, no longer feeling overwhelmed by too much clutter, but also allowing myself to bring things in when I enjoy them or see value in them without that guilt. Yeah. Which that that just seems like such a, such a healthier balance for me. I love how you kind of said the superiority of it. Of yeah. being like, oh, cause I think that a lot of us, that's what we're told is the end goal is to get to a point where you're like completely and totally detached from your stuff. And it means nothing to mm-hmm. you. And you can literally just walk away from it a moment's notice. And I don't think it has to be that way. You know, it's kind of like we have money, we make this money and we can use our money as a tool to curate environments for ourselves and wardrobes for ourselves that feel like us and bring us joy, but are also purposeful. They don't have to be overflowing with junk and excess and clutter. Mm -hmm. And, but I think it's like, that's kind of what a lot of us are told is the goal is just like, forget about your stuff. None of it matters. Completely detached from it. And I don't know, to me, like that's never, that's never really made a whole lot of sense to me. Cause I'm like, look, there's a balance in everything. There's a balance in how much you spend and how much you save. There's going to be a balance in how much you own and how much you don't and what you say yes to and what you say no to. You're always going to get to say yes. And you're always going to get to say no. Like there's a balance in those two things. So I love minimalist ish. I was like, oh, I love (laughs) that. And almost kind of in a way, I feel like over the past couple of years, I've never really thought about it in that lens, but I kind of feel like 
with my environment, like I'm definitely minimalist ish. Like I'm constantly looking at things and being like, okay, do I love this? Do I need it? If I do love it and I need it and I'm getting use out of it, it's like, yes, I will absolutely keep it. But there's also a lot of things that I'm like, okay, this is just excess. Mm -hmm. It's time to kind of like move on from it. Cause I don't consider myself a minimalist. Yeah. But I also don't consider myself a maximalist. So I'm like, so what's the middle ground (laughs) between those two things? Yeah. And I just think like, I don't know. I don't know why there's this like, yeah, it's it's like this elite or like admiration when you can live in the extreme. And it's like, I think, you know, saying minimalist ish sounds a little noncommittal, but for me, it's like, it's that balance and moderation that I think is what I was looking for the whole time. Mm-hmm. The balance is so key. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. I think that's the perfect ending point for us. So before we sign off, tell everyone where they can find you. All of this information is going to be in the show notes as well, but just run us through where people can find you and how you can help. Uh, Yeah. So you can find me on uh, YouTube at Christina Michas, just my name. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Christina.Michas. And you can find more about being minimalist-ish on my website, minimalistish.com. Awesome. Thank you for being here, Christina. This was such a fun conversation. Thank you conversation. so much. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. I know people we are going to love part it. part two. Because <laughs> I feel like our story is just so the same. I would love to like dig into that a little bit more. It'd be so cool. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> and it's so funny because I know that there's, you would be, I don't know if this happens to you, but this happens to me. I get messages like all the time from people who are like, I listened to your story and that's me. I did the exact same thing. I mean, it's like slight things about the story are different, but kind of the consistent themes of graduated, came into the real world, actually started making real money for the first time, thought I was going to do so much good with it, and then just completely ended up blowing it. Yeah. It happens to more of us than you think. I feel this way. I'm sure you feel the same way as well. I know that there's a lot of people going through it right now. And I think that's why sharing your story is so powerful because I'm not ashamed to share my story now and what I've been through because- so much good has come from it. But I know that there's a lot of people kind of like in the trenches right now, like in the part of the story that are feeling a lot of guilt and shame and feeling like, oh, I'm the only one. So it's like hearing stories like this. It's like, no, it's happened to me. It's happened to Christina. It's happened to so many more women than you can imagine. And you're not alone in it. And I don't want to use the word hope. Like, I I don't, I don't want to say like, there's hope, you know what I mean? But it's like, you absolutely have the ability to kind of like turn things around and create like a completely different reality for yourself, even if that's where you're starting. And I think you and I are both kind of evidence to that. So yeah, you got this. Well, thank you guys. And we will see you on next week's episode. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Hey girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.